Hello and welcome to Deeply Curious. My name is Cody Jensen and joining me from 37,000 feet in the air, we're currently on an airplane, is my wife, Sarah. Hello. We are recording this podcast on our New York to London transatlantic flight. Yeah. It's a new experience. I feel so awkward a little bit. like Sitting in this uh, middle aisle seat uh, H and J or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> Having to, or like talking, but feeling like I shouldn't talk too loud. But then also, I don't, it's so, it, it's weird. <laughs> While a man sleeps right next to us. Yeah, snoring <laughs> right next to me. So that uh, background noise that you hear is the sound of an airplane. Let's talk about this for a second. It is so hard to stay awake on an airplane. That's true. It's, so, it's what, 2 p.m. New York time? And... I slept all night and it was totally fine and I can I am fighting to stay awake <laughs> but before we jump into uh, today's transatlantic conversation I <laughs> uh, just want to let you know that this podcast is brought to you by B&H Photo Video the reason we're able to do this podcast right now on this airplane is because of our friends over at B&H hooking us up with a portable podcast setup if you want to see what podcasting setup we have set up right now on this plane you can check that out by going to the show notes below or the youtube nope this isn't on youtube because we can't record the video version uh on (laughs) on the plane so this is an audio only experience yep but if you don't know bnh is a massive photo video superstore in new york city that ships worldwide and you can get all of your photography video and pro audio needs taken care of by the wonderful wonderful professionals over at bnh this podcast is also brought to you by deeply curious merch which you can check out by going to shop.deeplycurious.fm yes so in this podcast from thirty-seven thousand feet a thing that we kind of wanted to talk about or at least start with is a conversation about uh i guess enjoying things um, yeah. I mean, it's different than... Because we've had a conversation of just letting people enjoy things, but it's more so being critical. Right. Because we were having a conversation the other day. Um, we, we saw a friend that we hadn't seen in a long time, and we started talking about um, the Harry Potter uh, Cursed Child play and Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them. And we're all huge Harry Potter fans. And we were just saying how much we loved it. Like, it was just, like, what we liked about it and what we loved and, you know, how great it was and whatever. And he said, that's really interesting because I've heard a lot. I mean, I've heard from a lot of people that they hated it, you know, or, like, certain things about the play that they didn't like or they didn't like it at all because it didn't feel like it was truly Harry Potter canon and, like, it wasn't something that, Harry, you know, J.K. Rowling wrote. And the books... I mean, yeah, the, the the movies of Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them, how, you know, it just, things, plot holes or whatever, like, yeah. just different Timelines didn't add up, whatever. Right. And so that got us talking about just enthusiastically liking things that you want to like. Yeah, because... And it really got uh, Sarah fired up, specifically. Yeah, because I, I just said, he was like, I just can't believe you guys don't care about those details, you know? And I said, I mean, it just doesn't seem like something to be upset about. Like it just, I love Harry Potter and I don't want to, I I don't want to ruin that, you know, with cynicism and whatever. And I think I, I just looked at him and I said, the thing is, is that I just don't think I'm a good critic. 
that's it. I just, I like to like things. Yeah. You know? And then we started just getting, okay, so this is the conversation. What is there value in being critical in those things? Or is there actually like the opposite of value? <laughs> of, yeah. You know, is, is it actually hurting like us ultimately to be critical about these things? Because there is so much to be critical about in this world. Like the, 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 with our news cycles and with everything that's going on in, you know, the world and politics and everything like that, we, all of these things are now so much in uh, the forefront. Right. Our immediate reaction to everything is anger. And so like, basically there's, there is so many things to be upset about, to be critical about, to like bring negativity into our life. Right. Why are we doing that with these just wonderful pieces of art that have been gifted to us, I guess? Yeah. So for me, I used to be, I would, I would call it maybe snobbish, you know, maybe like four or five years ago, I was pretty like stuck up about mostly books. I, I've never been very critical of movies. I can easily consume a lot of rom-coms and not care, you know. But books I was pretty, like, snobbish about. And if you were reading Twilight, I thought I just would, like, turn my nose, you know. I don't, I don't, I didn't count that as literature. And I started thinking about this, like, why am I being so cynical or critical about people who are reading Twilight if they like it? Like, if it's something that they like to read who am I to say that they can't enjoy that thing and so I kind of started like thinking about these things and going on this I don't know journey whatever you want to call it Mm -hmm. of learning to be less cynical and I actually really like being less cynical like you said there are so many things in life that it's easy to get like down about and I just don't want to allow that in my art. Mm-hmm. And, and not just not my art, but the art that I consume, the art that I love and enjoy. I don't think it, it takes away the magic a little bit. And I don't think it's worth it because there's so much bad already. Yeah. So I, I think the question here would be, I mean, I guess, you know, that's our, you know, take on it or our opinion. Yeah. On it. It's like if. There are things like, you know, just using Harry Potter as the example, is that we're huge Harry Potter fans, and there's this massive Harry Potter world that J.K. Rowling has created that we love just being a part of, and we love, like, watching and reading and, I mean, experiencing yes anything that is built in the Harry Potter world as basically, a, you know, entertainment. Right. Um, and it's like an entertainment that is deeply rooted and, you know, just, it's like a... I don't know. It's like, I guess a nerdy, but it's yeah. like, it's like a deeper form of entertainment because yes. like you, you can watch a summer blockbuster and be entertained, but I'm it, devoted it, to Harry Potter. Right. Though. Exactly. Yeah. And it's like, it's super fun to be part. It's a fandom. That's, that's sorry. That that's exactly what it is. That there's, that there's an actual term for that. It's called a fandom <laughs> and Harry Potter has a fandom and it's really fun to be a part of it. And so is there, I guess like a, I'm trying to figure out what, what the, what the actual question is like, do you ask it? Is there value in being critical about things or, you know, should we avoid being critical about things that are just part of our escapism? So I have a couple of 
ideas, I think, on this. So I, I do think there's value in being critical of things. I mean, they, they teach you to think critically and to read critically. I think the critical thinking actually moves art forward. It, it enhances it. It makes it better. But in my opinion, that's a different scenario than being like a fan of something like me being critical of a detail that jk rowling got wrong is not going to change anything Mm. you you know what i mean Mm -hmm. and so i don't think there's any reason to be critical about it and i should just enjoy what i enjoy but i do think that there's a lot of value in critical thinking and being a critic because i think that's what progresses art but maybe maybe it's a difference between critical and cynical yeah that i think i think that line can get blurred pretty easy because Mm -hmm. if we're taking the harry potter like details or whatever as an example i would call that just being cynical for no reason (laughs) in my opinion yeah i mean I, i i don't i think you can't just blanket statement and no, say you can't blanket statement anything. Yeah, like if you have a negative thought about Harry Potter, then you're just being cynical. That's I not mean, what I'm saying. You know, it's it's, but it is kind of. You but know, you're letting that affect your Harry Potter experience, mm-hmm. and that's what I think is not worth it. I mean, so here's a prime example: in the newest Fantastic Beast and Where to Find Them, Minerva McGonagall appears in the movie. And according to what J.K. Rowling wrote on Pottermore, Minerva McGonagall should actually not be born yet, let alone be an adult character. Right. Um, And I guess that people were very upset about that because J.K. Rowling essentially wrote a blog post that had, you know... History. The history of Minerva and her birth date would be after the 1920s. And so... Basically, I feel like there were people who were letting that insignificant detail ruin an entire franchise. Exactly. And not not a Harry Potter franchise. I'm not saying the entire Harry Potter franchise, but I mean the Fantastic Beasts franchise. Like, we're only two movies in. We have three more to go. Yeah. And it's like, are you going to let little things like that keep you from truly uh, being filled with wonder? Yeah, I totally agree. That's where I kind of come from. In that aspect, I think, I think maybe I just weigh the situation because everything is situational. You can't like blanket statement anything. And to me, that detail just doesn't seem like something to let it ruin everything else. One thing that you were saying on the train to the airport was about um, reviews and re- you oh, know, like, like book reviews and yeah, cause, stuff. Yeah, because you consume a lot of content you know what you know books and movies and things like that and we've taught and and your uh Mm -hmm. talent is -hmm. a writer so you merge those two together and the venn diagram middle is to be a you know book reviewer book critic movie critic you know yeah whatever yeah i don't think i'd be good at it though i can't be critical of something that i loved and even even in like a, a thinking critically way i'm not good at it i'm not good at like loving a book but then also seeing its flaws like if I loved a book I loved a book and I will fight to the death for that book Mm -hmm. I I can't see its flaws a good example 
is uh, Call Me By Your Name, the yeah. movie. Mm-hmm. We left that movie. I loved it. I could not like get over how much emotion I felt from it and how I thought the shots were so beautiful and like kind of old film northern Italy you know it was like everything I want in a movie you hated that movie like okay hate might be a strong word but I felt like you hated that movie according to how much I loved it because we left the theater and you were waiting for me to say oh my gosh that was the absolute best movie and should win best picture of the year yeah and I did not I said it was okay. And And I got immediately angry and started defending it to the death. And um, you had, you know, some probably valid opinions about why it wasn't great. Um, Some, like, shots that you didn't love. You thought it was out of focus and blah, blah, blah. Probably true. But I still, to this day, I will defend it to death because I loved it so much. And I will not say a bad word about it. Like, I can't, I can't be a critic about something that I love. And so, in that, my, you know, in this discussion, my question is, is, is there anything wrong with that? And, or, is that actually a positive trait to try to embody? I'm trying to embody it because I'm, I can already be on the negative side of emotions. And so you know, kind of doom and gloom, whatever. Um, So I'm trying to embody it as much as possible. And maybe that's where I'm coming from. Maybe it's because I don't find joy in a lot of things that I'm holding tightly to the things that I do. But I think it's a positive trait. I don't know why it would be a negative to love the things that you love with your whole heart. Yeah, because I think that I think enthusiasm is underrated. Absolutely. And I think, I think we're scared. Put that scared. on a t-shirt. Yeah. Let's make one. Enthusiasm I, is underrated. Yeah. I think we're scared to show enthusiasm for things because we're, we're scared of mm. judgment. Yeah. And, um, I, I think that's why it's yeah. cool to be cynical. Right. Yeah. The, because it's kind of goes back to the irony conversation. Yeah. Of, that we don't just enthusiastically like something. Right. And, you know, publicly declare, like, I'm a Potter nerd. Yeah. Because that opens us up for rejection mm-hmm. and for bullying yeah, um, and, and ridicule. Yeah, and it's something that's close to your heart right. because you love it. And if you actually love it, then, you know, basically that's putting your, your heart on your T-shirt that you're wearing. Mm-hmm. And if somebody... Oh, I'm going to make a T-shirt with a heart on it now. <laughs> And it's, uh, you know, if somebody criticizes that. Yeah, or, they're criticizing you. Right. And nobody wants that. I think, mm. yeah, I think we're scared to be enthusiastic. And again, especially in the culture that we're living in right now, politically, it's easy to be angry about everything. And so I think in order to not go mad, I'm wholly embracing enthusiasm in the things that I love. Would you say that you are a naturally more a pessimist or an optimist? Pessimist. Why is that? 
because uh, I kind of think the world is awful. <laughs> I, I automatically move toward it. I have to convince myself of the positivity and the hope. Like I, I have to, it, it's not like the natural reaction for me. The natural reaction is I see something, you know, that is heartbreaking and I think we're all doomed. Let's just end it now, you know? And then it, I have to continually think about it to remind myself of the hope. So I think I'm naturally pessimistic. It's interesting because I, I definitely, I definitely think I'm a naturally an optimist. I think you are too. Because I like in, in, in most, I mean, even in our, in our life right now, in most things, I enter into uh, situations or changing my life or whatever with the, of course I can do it. Now, okay, I I don't know if I think, of course I can do it, but I do enter into new experiences with a lot of hope and enthusiasm because I love change. Mm-hmm. And like I crave the, the change and the newness of things like keeps me going. So in that sense, I'm very optimistic. Like moving to New York, I thought we were going to be rich in two months. You know, I I was like, I was like, everything is going to be golden. You know, is that different than optimism, though? I mean, I I, I think I think it's in the same realm, but because I guess maybe that's the difference between being a realist and a whatever. If you are anything, you are a realist. Yes. But on the positive side of realism. Yeah, because I think a good example is like literally I read a news article or something and I just feel the state of the world is awful and like we're all going to die and whatever. And you you just kind of like roll your eyes a little bit and you're like, well, we're going to be fine. That's optimism. I mean, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm hopeful and optimistic that of the world in that we're going to, you know, figure stuff out. And there are definitely major complications and major <laughs> yeah. hurdles that us as humankind are going to have to get over. Yeah. And, you know, all that type of stuff. But ultimately, I think that ultimately... You think the he, good wins every time? Uh, yeah. I mean, I, I think I, I think that it can. And also, I think ultimately humans are self-preservationist. And so, I mean, that's the whole, you know, that's evolution. Yeah. And so it's all about survival. That's and, true. And, currently um short-term gain and short-term survival in you know uh our world is has more money and is winning out um but i think once certain things you know like climate change is depoliticized and we realize okay we need to quit like making uh pointing fingers yeah and just say this is a problem let's fix it I mean, I, I don't I don't see why that won't happen. Right. Whereas I think they're going to, you know, ruin the world. We're all going to blow up and die, you know. But I do I, I do think that ultimately. So I kind of say about myself, like I lose hope often, but I am endlessly hopeful. Like mm. I, I always end up finding it again, but I do lose it often. Um, new endlessly hopeful t-shirt available in the deeply <laughs> curious store. <laughs> uh, yeah. That, yeah, that's a good, uh, I never heard you say that before. What was it again? 
I lose hope often, but I'm endlessly hopeful. Hmm. Like I always end up finding it. Did you write that yourself? I did. Yeah. Just now. I said it myself. (laughs) That's good. I like it. Well, thank you. Um, The, you know, because I, I just think about, you know, optimism and pessimism. And I honestly don't understand. It's hard for me to even be pessimistic i guess you are just so even keel in your emotions well i think it comes into the realism of just like why like what is the purpose of being negative what's the purpose of being a pessimist about something there's no real reason to be that way because all it's doing is hurting you and not in most pessimism doesn't actually drive you to action or drive you to change totally i do think there's predispositions though like it's i the pessimism for me is not, again, it's not about things because like we've discussed, I like being enthusiastic about things and experiences and new places and friends and all of that. Right. Um, it's not necessarily about that, but it's about like the, the big questions, the overall that I kind of get lost in. Mm -hmm. And that's hard to just be endlessly positive about. Yeah. Well, not to you, I guess. (laughs) I mean, it's just like if me taking on the pressure or the negativity of outside things that are outside of my control right. is only to my own detriment. 100%. So if in, unless I'm going to let it drive me into action, then there's no real point to it. All it is doing is making me a less joyful person. Yeah. And so I just choose to be, I I don't even know if I choose to be. I think you just are. I just am an optimistic person. Yeah. And so in things like that, but then also, you know, in our life, it's just like, you know, of course we're going to make it. Yeah. That's one thing that I think is a constant conversation between us. Cause I'm always literally like laying on the couch, sighing (sighs) out loud for like 30 minutes, just like feeling sorry for myself right of like oh we're never gonna make it I can't figure out how to make this thing work whatever we're trying to do I like run circles in my mind and like can't find out a solution and you're just like at your desk rolling your eyes like Sarah stop (laughs) you're being dramatic it's gonna be fine yes and also I mean this this is a core thing that I think we talk, we're like, I don't know, we talk about it all the time. Yeah. Is like, you have all these dreams and aspirations, but you let, I think, your pessimism yeah. of the future keep you from action. Because, you know, it's kind of like, I don't actually know if, well, like this podcast that we're recording right now <laughs> will lead to like financial success. Right. You know, I mean, I think that it, it has... I do it because I love doing it. I love having these conversations between us and I love that it's recorded and we can listen, you know, it's like a record of our life and all that, you know, but our hope would be that this, you know, our YouTube channel with it, we're creating the art and putting it out there and creating the podcast. And hopefully we are affecting thoughts and affecting helping people. Right. Whether that is in a real, real way or just like, just something small, you know, it's yeah, like, just ma- like providing them with an hour of interesting conversation or, or something. Yeah. Or sparking, sparking thoughts and like, you know, or taking, even if it's just taking in 
the perspective of a different worldview because you know i there are tons of like non-christians who listen to this podcast and really you know have told me in person and uh, through comments that they really enjoy listening to us talk about our religious beliefs just because it it it's different it's different than what they believe and we're all respectful and also that we you know potentially paint a different picture of what a christian is than what i hope yeah (laughs) than what they're perceived is anyways what i'm getting at is i hope that in the future you know this the the things that we are doing the 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 art that we are creating hopefully we can monetize leverage it the the art to the point where we have created financial freedom for ourselves that's like the ultimate goal goal. and it's like i don't actually know if that's going to work out but not knowing if it's going to work out doesn't keep me from trying yeah it's like i record this podcast once a week and i make videos three days a week and that's a lot of work yes but i do it because i love doing it i want to do it and i also have i believe in the future yeah um even though i don't know if it's going to work out like i i there's no telling there's so much luck and skills and whatever involved that you know it may never become a uh, a, you know a good financial uh, decision over the last year and a half that we've been doing this right but ultimately that doesn't matter to me because one I love it I love that we did this and I love that we're doing this and I still have a hard time not believing that it'll ultimately work out like you saying like i don't know if it'll work out right underneath that you're saying it's definitely gonna work out (laughs) you know what i mean right yeah yeah the my optimism says it's gonna work out my realism says i have literally no idea if it's gonna work out because there's no telling but but it's gonna work out but my realism also says that i'm going to put in the work and do everything in my you know Mm -hmm. knowledge and power to do what I want to do. Right. So that was a long-winded preface. Yes. To what I'm trying to say is that I I believe in the future of what I'm doing in but I don't actually know the outcome of what I'm doing, but it doesn't keep me from putting out the work and doing things. Right. Versus you, it paralyzes me. It paralyzes you. I'm paralyzed on both sides. So I wrote this on a blog post, I don't know, a long time ago. I said, it's really hard for me to remain present because the future is, I I idealize the future and I romanticize my past. And so I cannot like stay in the present. It's almost impossible for me to. And that affects my ability to you know, just sit down and do the work for the future that I want. Like, it's this really weird, it's actually something I've been thinking about a lot lately because I read this thing online that was like the ideal that, or the future that, the future you that you're idealizing in your head can't happen unless you, you know, just start doing those things now. And, and that's exactly it. Like I, I know my hopes and dreams. I know what I want. And I even kind of sometimes know what to do to get it but I'm so stuck between the the two the future and the past 
that I cannot pay attention to the present. And that is where I need to be in order to do the work. And so it's this constant mind game that I'm playing. Mm -hmm. That's my problem. And I'm always harping. Nagging, some would say, (laughs) if you were a girl. (laughs) That you just need to do something. Yeah, you definitely... You get so mad at me. Because you just, like, basically, I... I waste time. I know that I do. Waste tons and tons of time whenever you love to write and all of that. And, you like, your ultimate dream would be to write things that affects people and creates financial freedom for yourself. Yes, but we've discussed that there's a lot more that goes into that besides just my future and my past situation. I mean, it's not just that. You know, as like insecurities, I guess, or whatever you want to call them that we've talked about before. Yeah. I mean, being, yes. But I think some of it does come back to the pessimism part of it in the fact that, like, I mean, it's not fully rooted in pessimism, but I think the, the... I tend toward the negative side of things. That's just the truth. Right. And if you're thinking negative, like... If you're thinking about the worst case, yeah, then it paralyzes you. Like you said, it keeps you from from actually moving into action. You know, what's really funny though is that, I mean, I've had so many people, like I've said something along those lines, like I'm not peaceful, I'm anxious, I'm, I'm, you know, on the negative side of emotions. I, you know, all of those things, and they just like are shocked by that. They're like, no, you're the nicest human I've ever met, blah, blah, whatever. And I don't know what that is either. But I I think that's maybe the endlessly hopeful. Yeah. But you also have, like, who you are and who you show up as. Yeah, but I think that I am. I don't want to be a pessimistic person that just shows up as nice. Yeah. That's true. But, well hard because I'm obviously I'm kind of like uh you're too close to me to know you know what though all my personality test things say that I'm a contradiction so maybe it's just that yeah I was also thinking maybe that you are pessimistic um personally and optimistic for other people 1000 percent believe in all the good things of all my friends all the somebody good things (laughs) to get what is it? I don't know. Truth brings or something. Yeah. I'm very like, I'll, <laughs> my friends will, you know, they'll be saying something that literally the same things that like I'm saying, like, I hate myself. I can't believe I'm doing this. I've gained so much weight, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Right. I'm like, don't even talk like that. You're beautiful, you know, or whatever. Right. But like, I cannot say that to myself. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you know, the one of your friends will be like, yeah, I mean, I have, this skill and I mean I thought maybe I could do this but I don't think I actually can or whatever and you're like oh you can absolutely do you could do this 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 this. supportive of my friends you can uh you know do this and then you can change that and then you can put out this and you know you'll you'll totally do that in like three weeks or whatever yeah I can totally see their potential and the potential for so much good that they have but I can't see that in my or I can't tell myself that so yeah you believe in the the optimism or the, um, you believe in the capabilities mm-hmm. of others, but you fully doubt the capabilities of yourself. Yes. Which is, I mean, 
it's kind of admirable in one way, you know, because <laughs> it's like, it's, that's a kind of a trait of humbleness. Uh, but is doubt humbleness? That's the, that's, again, this goes back to the conversation I keep having about insecurity versus humility. Right. Like, what's the difference? I, I cannot tell them apart. Yeah, I guess it is, is a negative trait that can show up as positive. as positive. People can actually view, like, from the outside, they can be like, oh, wow, she's so humble, whenever actually she is insecure to her own detriment. Yeah, I think that's probably it. Interesting. But I do like back to the enthusiasm Mm -hmm. because we were talking about book reviews and stuff like that. I do. I um, on Instagram stories, I'm not really doing book reviews or anything. But when I read a book that I like, I post it on Instagram stories with my rating just to let people know. And I posted this one book and I rated it 3.75. And my friend was like, I'm I'm curious to know why you only rated it 3.75. And I said, well, I was trying to think critically about it and, like, you know, compare all the, like, plot holes and whatever. I said, but if I was giving it my enthusiastic review, I would give it a 4.2. And in that moment, I was like, why am I not giving it my enthusiastic review? That's much better. Like, as a story, I loved it. And I think maybe even just recognizing that is important. Like... You can, you can, that's maybe the first time that I recognize that reading critically and reading enthusiastically can be done at the same time. Mm-hmm. But I'm pretty, pretty into enthusiastic reviews now. That's going to be my thing. Yeah. And um, if you, if I review it, you know I loved it. And if you don't see it on any of my socials, wasn't worth talking about. <laughs> but I'm not going to like, put a book on there and then I'm like two stars this sucked you know mm-hmm. I'm not into that yeah I mean I think that a lot of people are drawn to the the negative yeah you know reviews I mean that's why people like they, they want to see why something has one star right versus like they may read one like five star review but then they'll read like ten one star reviews right and then those 10 one-star reviews will be the reason they don't read that book that's actually rated 4.2 stars. Right, you know? right, exactly. Yeah. Well, I, yeah, and that's like, I think that goes back to just, oh, uh, man, just outrage. Yeah. It, like, Honestly, it's the reason I don't read reviews. Yeah. And, I mean, it's not really outrage culture to, like, be drawn to negative reviews, but I think that, you know, if, like, there's a, a camera review on YouTube or something, and it's like why the xx camera sucks and mm. you're, you're like you feel a little nudge cool. yeah. like to watch that over the you know why i love this camera mm-hmm. or you know what makes this the best camera or whatever it's kind of like for some reason we're drawn like to that yeah which is interesting it's it's like the um buzzfeed articles that like you know are clickbait but mm-hmm. you just can't help but wanting like number seven will yeah, blow your mind. Blow your mind, and you're like, wait, but what if it really will? Like, I, mm-hmm. there's like this little. Yeah. You have to know. Yeah. In these things that we enjoy, you know, in, in art forms of of writing and and movies, plays, all this type of stuff, anything that you you're a fan of or that you enjoy, I think it just enjoy it. Like, don't yeah. let other people's cynicism keep you from enjoying these things, and also, don't feel like 
you have to be critical, I guess. Yeah. Of, of, of things that you just want to enjoy. And right. Like, it can be dumb, and you can know that, and that's fine. You can still love it. Yeah. Because like I, I said, I watch, like, a million rom-coms a week that are, they have, like, 20% on Rotten Tomatoes or something dumb. Doesn't matter. I enjoy them. Yeah. <laughs> you know? So, I mean, basically, just, I think there is value to for our um, mental, emotional health to truly just be, 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 get inside that childlike wonder. Yeah, let go. That we all, really, we that's what we all want. Like, we want to have that childlike wonder again. And the only way to do that is to look at things with awe and wonder and to not criticize and be cynical about just things that are fun. Like, yeah. or, or things in general. Like, it doesn't even have to be fun. Like, you just not being critical and cynical about life. Right. It's like all of all children everywhere. It's like they are they're not born with cynicism. No. They're born with enthusiasm and curiosity. And curiosity. And then at some point we bake this cynicism into the the kids. Yeah. The children's of the, the world. And I think that it's I think there's just a lot of value in getting back to that childlike sense of wonder and awe. And yes. being deeply curious about yes. the things that are around you and the articles you read and, and the life that you live. Mm-hmm. So hopefully you guys enjoyed this uh, background audio filled um, <laughs> podcast um, from 37,000 feet over the Atlantic Ocean. Look out for our new merch we just decided we're going to make in this podcast. <laughs> um, and as a reminder that this podcast is legitimately literally brought to you by the our friends over at B&H because we would not be able to record this podcast right now on this airplane without our friends over at B&H Photo Video. If you want to see the equipment that we are using to record this, you can check it out in the show notes. And if you are checking out B&H, I would very much appreciate it if you would actually click one of those links, even if it isn't to buy this gear, because it lets B&H know how you found them yeah. um, and ultimately helps out that relationship. Also, don't forget, you can get at some Deeply Curious merch at shop.deeplycurious.fm. Hope you enjoyed this podcast. It was a fun experience podcasting on a plane. Yeah. Sarah was... Doesn't a- seem to bother anybody around us, so yeah. I feel fine about it. Sarah was a little embarrassed to get started. I really was. I was probably talking a lot quieter in the beginning of this podcast. But, I mean, we are two uh, weirdos sitting here with microphones and a recorder in front of us on an airplane. So Nobody has given us a second look, though, so I feel good about it. Yeah. All right. I guess we will uh, see you next week. Bye. Bye.